today on Ag News Daily. When when a partner comes onto the grand farm, we really want to make sure that they're included into the conversation, no matter if we're working with a competitor of theirs or um, other similar products as theirs, there's a space at the grand farm for them in the collaboration. Good afternoon and welcome to a Tech Tuesday episode of the Ag News Daily Podcast. It's Ashton Carr joined by Delaney Howell. Delaney, how is your Tuesday looking? I can't believe it's only Tuesday, Ashton. I feel like this week is... mm, Well, I guess that's the thing about time. It's kind of weird. Like I feel that I've been super busy Monday and Tuesday now, but I also can't decide what day of the week it feels like. Yeah, I'm the same way. I woke up this morning and kind of groaned to myself that it was only Tuesday. I feel like the past two days have just kind of dragged on. I think it's just because I don't have a lot to do. And whenever I'm busy, I like those days more just because the time goes by faster and I just am full of things to do, but haven't had a whole lot to do today or yesterday. So I guess I'm just a little bit bored. I think I'm having the opposite problem where I feel like I can't take a breath. <laughs> well, I guess that I should probably help you out a little bit. So if you Yeah, let me put some projects it. on your plate. That sounds like a great idea. But um well, I think part of the reason I'm just feeling like this week is flying by is because tomorrow I'm well, tonight I'm actually headed to Omaha to a swine survivability conference in Omaha and hopefully I'll be bringing us some updates from that, but heading over there to work with the folks at Iowa Pork Industry Center and going to be working on the Pig X podcast. So we're going to have some great content there. I am a little bit jealous, but I am excited to see what kind of content you come up with there, Delaney. But in the meantime, I want to talk about crop progress because we saw some numbers come out yesterday. We've been pretty good about sharing our graphic and I just kind of fell off the wagon yesterday and forgot. So I'm going to go ahead and just share those numbers now because we are at 66% harvested for our U.S. corn crop and sitting at 73% harvested for our soybeans. I saw that as well. So we are certainly moving right along. I'm anticipating, though, that with the heavy rain we've seen, especially through Iowa, Minnesota, parts of Illinois and kind of eastward, we're probably not going to see a huge jump in next week's numbers because I think a lot of folks got rained out at least for a couple of days here. So quick update here on that. As I mentioned yesterday, you know, we got about maybe close to four inches here and about in uh, just central slash northeast central Iowa. But as you continue to move further eastward, we saw a lot of rainfall in Illinois, especially it looks like really got hit the hardest here. But uh, doesn't sound like there's going to be much relief for those areas because we do have a new system kind of moving in already. Again, it seems like there is going to be continued rainfall here heading across Nebraska, Iowa into Illinois starting probably on Wednesday, Tuesday, Wednesday. So not a lot of relief. They're going to push folks out of the fields even longer, it sounds like. Well, Delaney, I was kind of looking at the weather down in Texas right now because there's been a red flag warning issued for parts of Kansas, Oklahoma, and Texas. So the winds are so extreme right now that there is a risk, of course, of fire, and that's 
typically this time of year, this happens. I feel like every year we get these red flag warnings just because it's so dry and windy out here. So not too surprised about this. However, I am going to be keeping my eyes out to see if there's any stories that come up because this time of year is particularly windy, particularly dry. And so I have, of course, heard in the past a couple of different stories in really the Amarillo area, which is about two hours north of me. Um, you know, they're kind of plagued with fires in the fields, um, on, you know, ranches and those kinds of things. So going to be keeping my eyes out to see if we see any of those this year. I'm keeping my fingers crossed and hoping that we don't. Yeah, that's the good thing to note. We definitely don't experience quite as much of that here in Iowa, but uh, switching away from weather a little bit. Well, actually, I suppose this could be somewhat weather related, but quick update here on corn futures today because we saw December 2022 corn futures hit a new contract high now sitting at about well touched on 540 which is posing to be pretty bullish here for the markets we also saw about 199,000 metric tons of soybeans for delivery to China here quick quick export update and another 125,000 tons of soybeans headed to Mexico. So that certainly has appeared to support the markets for today, Ashton. Well, Delaney, I know that we are Ag News Daily, and this piece of news doesn't have too much to do with ag, but I thought it was interesting because I don't think we talk a whole lot about Israel or that kind of part of the world a whole lot, but we saw some news from some senators today as they sent a letter to Unilever, who is a global company based in the UK somewhere, because I looked it up earlier, but this letter was asking to reverse an anti-Israel business decision The senators say that the decision by Ben & Jerry's, who's a subsidy of Unilever, uh, to terminate its Israeli licensee next year is a misguided decision made to advance the boycott, divest, and sanction movement against Israel. And so I, I thought this was really interesting. Like I said, we I don't think we talk a whole lot about Israel. I don't know a whole lot about that area, but these senators are against the BDS movement and are in full support of Israel. So I didn't know if you had a little bit more knowledge about that part of the world or, you know, maybe why these senators are so up in arms about anti-BDS legislation, Delaney. I, I don't know. I thought it was interesting. So I definitely wanted to bring this topic to the table. I don't have a lot of insight here, Ashton. Sorry to say. Oh, that is totally fine. I just, I thought it was pretty interesting. And this piece of news was on Brownfield Ag News. So I thought it was interesting that it was on an Ag News website. I'm not sure exactly how it kind of plays into the world of agriculture, but I'm going to do some digging because I thought it was very intriguing. Yeah, that's a little different than what we typically cover. So definitely something that I don't have a lot of insight into right now. But one thing I do have insight into, you know, yesterday, Naomi was mentioning how we've seen a lot of support in the dairy market. And I thought this was an interesting fact. I just signed up for a new newsletter this morning called Magnetic Ag. I would highly recommend it if you just kind of want like a morning update because it's kind of funny. It's got memes and jokes and just kind of cool little quick hit facts. Well, they shared one today that said American cheese gets gobbled up. Exports of American cheese in August were up 71% 
over the prior year because of Asian buyers, and they've bought over 9,000 metric tons of American cheese. I thought that was kind of interesting. Well, you know, Delaney, I've said it on the podcast before. I'm a big cheese girl. So that definitely piqued my interest today. Yeah. I don't want to send all the cheese away. I appreciate that they're buying cheese because that's obviously supporting dairy prices, but I will eat the cheese. They don't need to send it elsewhere. For real, they can honestly send all of the Chinese purchases down to my house. I'll give my address out. That's probably not the smartest thing, but hey, cheese is cheese. <laughs> I'll take it. Maybe let's not share your address on the podcast, Ashton. <laughs> you never know who's listening. You're right. You're right, Delaney. Thank you so much for that little piece of guidance there. But I also have a story coming out of China, and this is actually my last piece of news for today. And although it's not talking about cheese, it is talking about bird flu. And we, of course, have been watching some of these stories develop or these cases develop of bird flu. But this time, I am talking about bird flu in people. This year, the amount of infections in people is kind of raising concerns among experts who say a previously circulating strain appears to have changed and may be more infectious to people. China to date has reported 21 human infections with the H5N6 type of bird flu compared to last year with only five infections. These numbers are much lower than, you know, those who were infected with H7N9 in 2017, and those infections were a little bit more serious. So I don't think that the 21 people in China who have had bird flu this year are seeing symptoms as severe as we were seeing back in 2017, but most of the cases have come from those who have been in contract with poultry, and there are no confirmed cases of human-to-human transmission, but it is said that this investigation is going to be conducted urgently as they are required to understand the risk and the increase in spillover to people. So that's just the latest bird flu news that I have for you, Delaney. Well, a lot of that is coming, of course, or a lot of that has been, unfortunately, you know, a lot of diseases like that have been geared up in China, but China is trying to prevent a new disease from getting into the country, more specifically, mad cow disease. China is keeping its ban in place on Brazilian wheat on Brazilian beef for a full six weeks here after we've now seen two atypical cases of mad cow disease found. Authorities in Brazil say they're getting a little concerned because their export value with China is valued to be at about $4 billion a year. And six weeks is a long time for them to go without being able to export that commodity to China. So they are keeping close tabs on that, but it doesn't seem that China will be relenting and reversing that decision anytime soon. Well, Delaney, I'm glad that you are keeping an eye out on that. And hopefully you kept your eyes out on the markets today because I'm ready to chat those numbers. I am as well. As I mentioned, we saw some excitement today with 2022 new crop corn futures touching some fresh contract We also saw December 2021 futures continuing to rally on the day with December 21 futures up five cents to close at 543. I'll just go ahead and mention these 22 futures here since I mentioned it earlier on in the podcast. They did not finish at those contract highs, but did finish three and a quarter cent 
higher to close at 536 and a half. And folks, if you're thinking about locking in 2022 sales, I would encourage you to first re-listen to yesterday's hashtag Market Monday episode with Naomi Bloom because we talk about that specifically. And if now is a good time to look at making some of those purchases. In the Swaybean Pits, we saw November contract closing three quarters of a cent higher to end at 1238. The January up a quarter cent to close at 1247 and a quarter. Chicago wheat had weakness today as the December contract shed seven and a quarter cent, closing at 752 and a quarter. The March down six and three quarters cents, closing at 765. Hopping over to take a look at livestock today, we saw strength in the cattle complex. December live cattle adding a dollar ninety two and a half to close at one thirty one forty five. February in the green a dollar sixty two and a half, ending the day out at one thirty six thirty seven and a half. Hopping over into the feeder cattle pits, as I mentioned, that strength continued with the November contract adding a dollar thirty, closing the day at one fifty nine seventy seven and a half. January up two bucks, closing the day at one sixty sixty. Weakness today, however, in the lean hog market as December shed a dollar sixty two and a half. Ending the day at 72.57 and a half. February cutting a dollar sixty-two and a half, ending the day at 75.15. And lastly, Ash and wrapping things up here with the class three dairy milk futures. November down 68 cents today. Closing the day out at 18.69. The Dees down 56 cents, closing at 18.58. Ashen, without further ado, fill us in on who we're chatting with for today's hashtag tech Tuesday interview. Today we are talking to Grand Farm. Well, for today's Tech Tuesday episode, we are talking to Brian Carroll and Dr. William Adderalt of Grand Farm. Gentlemen, thank you so much for joining us today. Thanks, Ashton. It's a pleasure to be on with you as well. So before we get started talking about Grand Farm, I want to know a little bit more about the both of you. So let's go ahead and start off here with Brian and just learn a little bit more about your background and what you do at Grand Farm. Well, my name is Brian Carroll. So I grew up in Fargo. I'm a Northsider, went to North Dakota State University. And then I worked for a company here in Fargo called Navtech for 22 years. We build software for digital maps. Um, I was a site leader and we built operations all across the world. And what I did is after my 22 years, um, took a step back and then joined Emerging Prairie, which I'm currently a team member and I'm currently the chief operating officer. And at that point, we started to introduce the Grand Farm concept the initiative that we're going to be talking about today. And then what about you, William? Let's learn a little bit more about you as well. Yeah, my name is William Matterholt. I am the director of pro- the program management office at Grand Farm. And in that role, I oversee the projects and um, engagements that happen on the farm around um, how do we bring technology in to actually take a look at how agriculture can be progressed into the future. Um, so we work with a ton of different programs or uh, organizations in that area. Um, and this year we had 320 projects that I helped to organize. Um, I came from Bozeman, Montana before moving to Fargo about three years ago and met Brian at an Emerging Prairie Function um, that was focused on entrepreneurship. We hit it off right off the bat. He told me about Grant Farm and I was really excited to get started. So we kind of got a little bit of a clue there that Grand Farm is powered by Emerging Prairie. So let's look into Emerging Prairie a little bit as well as Grand Farm and kind of identify what exactly it is that you guys do. 
So Emerging Prairie is a local nonprofit, and our original design was around connecting and celebrating the entrepreneurial ecosystem. And so what we did is we brought people together in a variety of different events, things like Million Cups, TEDx, Startup Brews, all sorts of different events around that. And what we were able to do is bring ideas together. And that's where the concept around the Grand Farm got started. We were challenged by a local entrepreneur. His name was Barry Batchelor. And at Million Cups, he asked the community to declare its major. And we came back with a response. And that was advanced agriculture and technology. And so that became our major. And that's where the initiative was born, was from an emerging prairie event, Million Cups, being challenged, and then bringing a community together around the Grand Farm. So I want to know a little bit more about the projects that you guys have been working on. So William, this might be a little bit more up your alley. What can you tell us about the projects that you guys have been doing over the past however long? Yeah, like I was mentioning earlier, we've done 320 projects this year. Um, and that was built on top of what we did the previous year, which was 41 with nine different partners. This year, we had 54 partners working on these projects. and in working with partners, really, we're trying to understand what's, what are they trying to accomplish in agriculture? How does it fit within the problem sets that currently exist that growers face? Um, and then can we provide capabilities to help them accelerate their work? Um, Grand Farm to date has been focused mainly on demonstration, applied research and product development on its innovation site. And so when you get all those people together, whether it's higher education, industry, government, or the grow and the growers, um, we can begin to take a product, take a look at it, um, test it out in a real world environment, and then get direct feedback on how um, it's performing, what it could be potentially doing on top of what it's already doing. And how it fits into agriculture. And that's been very um, valuable for the companies working on all these different great innovations that are happening. So I want to dissect the relationship between you and your partners a little bit because collaboration seems like it's a pretty big deal at Grand Farm. So what is the benefit there of working with these outside companies, this collaborative effort, if you will? I think uh, I'll, I'll take this, William, then you can add to it. So one of the big features that we have at the Grand Farm is our partnership model. And what we look to do is to bring partners in four key categories. The first one is research and organizations that are doing research, so universities. The second one we focus on is large organizations, uh, organizations that are doing innovation. The third one that we focus on is startups, bringing startups into the partnerships, into that community. And the fourth one is the grower. And we wanna make sure the grower's in the middle of the innovation. And so as we bring these partners together, what we value is collaboration and innovation. So what we'll do is we'll source projects, bring it into the partners and look for ways in which we can build those partnerships around it. And we gauge our success by engagement. How many partners are working together who's innovating, and how we're advancing egg technology. And by focusing on these four main groups, we're building this ecosystem that is collaborating and innovating together and developing a whole bunch of different projects around it. And then maybe, William, you can talk about a couple of projects that really highlight examples of these collaborations and partnerships. Yeah, definitely. And, and one of the things that Brian um, hit on several times is this idea that we're a neutral platform. Um, 
when when a partner comes onto the grand farm, we really want to make sure that they're included into the conversation, no matter if we're working with a competitor of theirs or um, other similar products as theirs. There's a space at the grand farm for them in the collaboration that we have around these projects. The what Grand Farm does is we bring people in. We're not providing the technology. We're not the experts on the technology, but we're providing the capabilities to advance the technology um, and that feedback loop to allow it to continue to progress. Um, this has been a really attractive for what we call signature initiatives. And right now we have six signature initiatives on the Grand Farm. An example of a signature initiative um, is something like Farm Grid, which we did a, a, a press release about um, earlier in the year. Uh, Farm Grid is a multi-organization collaboration, which takes a look at um, connectivity solutions and edge computing. Um, and what that means is just being able to uh, pull data off of sensors and other devices like tractors, UAVs, into um, a, a computing platform on the farm um, so they can to begin to work that information to develop insights back to the grower. Um, what's key about that is while they provided, while the main partnership provided the technological framework to collect that information, we needed to also find the partners who had sensors and other devices that could connect to the framework. And so our job was then to take what was the baseline and begin to build off of it and create new ideas and new possibilities that the technology provided. Our signature initiatives aren't just about projects, but a lot of the events and conferences we do, a lot of the things that we do in terms of um, add-ons are centered around these large ideas um, where the ecosystem can be engaged in a way to advance those ideas. So you talked a little bit there, William, about the events that you guys are doing. Can you tell me a little bit more about those events? There are three like primary events that we do on the Grand Farm over the course of the year. Uh, one is what we call Innovation Days, in which we bring a piece of technology and, uh, and have a demonstration and engage our partners around that. The other one is a field day in which we'll look at the technology that's being done at the Grand Farm and kind of highlight that and demonstrate that with our partners. And the third one is around grower engagement. And so what we're really interested in is engaging into the grower, really having insights in terms of what are some of the different pain points, whether it's operational, and really starting to understand if there's ways in which we can start to either attach technology to it or develop technology to address that. So these are kind of like the normal events that we do at the Grand Farm. These are weekly gatherings. And then we have signature gatherings as well, an event like Cultivate, which we bring the farming community along with the technology community together and look at uh, technology and how that can be advanced. Autonomous Nation, we're looking at you know, manufacturers of autonomous systems and how that can have a potential impact on operations. And the third one that we just introduced this year was around SpaceX, looking at ways in which we can be involved with some of these larger aspirations, especially as we think about the role of agriculture and space, you know, how that technology can not only be applied to that event, but how we can start to apply it into some specific challenges that we have here in our region or around the world as well. And to give some idea on the scope, um, we 
up until September. So the first nine months of the year, we had 50 total events that includes the conferences on the farm um, with 232 different presenters and a total of people registering from 58 different countries from around the world. Um, so the scope of the conversations that are happening at the Grand Farm are truly global. Um, and so these conferences and these events serve as an engagement and convening point to, to accelerate what's happening and the, the conversations that are occurring in ag tech. You guys just answered one of my questions for me on whether or not this is just something that you're doing locally or if you kind of have a global following. So that's certainly great to hear. So I just have one more question, and that is how can our listeners get involved? I mean, from a partnership standpoint, grower standpoint, you even have volunteer opportunities. So how can they reach out to you guys to get involved in some way? Well, I think there's two really easy and specific ones is you can just reach us through our website. And what we're interested in is projects, you know, finding ways in which we can partner and collaborate around a project, but also how we can bring people together in our different events. So William talked about all the events that we've done, the different engagement that we have. We would love to see people there because it's that network that we're really you know, focus on delivering and building. And as that network grows out, we are, you know, finding ourselves with opportunities to do more, you know, projects and opportunities and engagement and really trying to solve some real, you know, specific challenges that are part of that network. And while we're a global initiative, I would say that we're always looking for support regionally as well. And so if there are people who are in the area that want to volunteer or even globally, if they want to volunteer and find ways to contribute, there's things that we can have them uh, participate in and, and be a part of what's going on. And so again, reaching out through the website, um, we're constantly doing things that, that could, that help build energy. And we want the community to be involved in that. Well, gentlemen, I certainly appreciate you both coming on and chatting with us about Grand Farm today. It was very interesting to get to know a little bit more about the initiative. Thank you, Ashton. It was our pleasure. Yep. Thank you so much. Thanks again there to Brian and William for coming on and talking about Grand Farm. It was definitely interesting to know a little bit more about the initiative and how they're really connecting growers, partners, volunteers even. So folks, if you want to get involved, definitely check out their website. They mentioned there at the end. And Delaney, while they are online, they can go to our description of this episode and take a quick survey for the Global Ag Network. We want to know a little bit more about our audience and how we can better serve them. So folks, please do so at agnewsdaily.com. You can find that link in the description to this episode. With that, Delaney, should we let the people go? Let's let him go.